Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about inhabiting executive presence. Jenna was not pleased. She had been expecting a promotion to vice president, but the committee said she didn't feel like a vice president yet. The committee, recognizing Jenna as a rising star, said they would promote her as soon as she developed more executive presence. To show their support, the company invested in a coach for her, and so Jenna and I were brought together. In our first meeting, she said, How do we do this, Tom? Is there some formula for creating executive presence? There are many, I said. There are? I was joking. Are you serious? I was serious. Having talked with business leaders about executive presence for more than 20 years, I knew many paths through these woods. I said, Jenna, you know, given the political climate around here, the formula I think is going to work best for you, and I frankly think that you'll enjoy the most, I call inhabiting. It has three parts. She sat forward, uncapping her pen. Okay, inhabiting. What's step one? Observe, I answered. Collect data. How are you different from the vice presidents? For example, what are they doing that you aren't? Do you know? She thought and then said slowly, Nothing I can put my finger on. But there is some difference, I said, or the committee wouldn't have said you need more presence. One idea behind inhabiting is that the gap is going to be behavioral, and you're going to close the gap by inhabiting new behavior or stopping old behavior. But you can't inhabit a behavior until you've observed it. So that's step one, observe. Jenna's homework for our next coaching session was to document her observations. What behaviors did the vice presidents have that she didn't? What behaviors did she have that they didn't? And what behaviors of hers did she actually see mirrored by the vice presidents? Knowing Jenna was a naturally high achiever, before we ended and sent her off to do her homework, I added a caution. Jenna, for now, stay with observing. You might be dying to jump in and start doing things, you know, adding new behaviors, but that comes later. Your observations are just beginning. Stick with that. Just observe. At our next session, Jenna admitted she had been impatient. Observing did not feel very active to her. But she had calmed her need to do things, and she just observed. And she had built a list that was long with specific, measurable, behavioral observations. For example, one way she thought she was like the vice president's was efficiency. Her calendar ran smoothly, and so did her team's work. That mirrored the majority of the vice president's. She felt she was not like the vice president's in her energy. She observed that she was both too high and too low. Her low energy was in meetings. She noticed the VPs were able to stay tuned in much longer than she could. Her high energy was when she talked. She noticed she spoke much longer and at a higher rate of words per minute than most of the vice presidents. She felt like a sprinter, whereas the vice presidents appeared to be marathoners. Nodding toward her list, I asked, 
Out of all those behaviors, Jenna, if you could pick just one, which behavior do you think would make the biggest difference in your executive presence? Her answer came quickly. Talking too much, I need to stop that. Okay, I said, then that's the behavior we'll use in step two. She poised her pen again and asked, which is? Practice, I answered, to which she grunted, I should have known. Why, I asked. She said, I played competitive soccer. I know how to change behavior. That is what inhabiting is all about, isn't it? Changing behavior? Absolutely, I said. Yeah, I thought so. One thing I learned from my years of playing, when you want to change behavior, the only way to make that happen is to practice. Oh, Jenna, I agree. So, okay, if you were going to be your own coach, how would you tell yourself to practice this idea of talking shorter? She said, well, I don't know yet, but I can tell you this about practice. Every practice is a good practice. The only sin is not showing up. (laughs) Wow, where's that from? A coach of mine said that all the time. Well, great. Then let's make a plan for practicing talking shorter. How will you practice? She thought, then said, Well, I'm not sure if this is how, but I know where I could practice. I overtalk in meetings. I could practice not overtalking there. Okay, meetings. That's one place you'll practice. Good start. Before we dig into that, can I share a little trick with you? She nodded. You've named the behavior that you want to practice, not over-talking. I'm glad you've named it. Naming it helps raise your awareness. That's great. Now, here's the trick. When you're creating a name, give it a positive action, not a negative one. So in this case, instead of telling yourself to not over-talk, you'll tell yourself, talk shorter. It only took her a second before she said, Oh, I get it. The negative one feels like pulling back on the reins, stepping on the brakes. The positive one feels like stepping on the gas and moving forward. Wow, that is a powerful shift. Thanks. You got any other tricks for me? I smiled and said, Two. First, don't be an overachiever again. I think it's natural to think, Hey, if I'm going to practice talking shorter in meetings, I might as well practice something else on my list too. But don't. Practice one behavior at a time. Just one. Be patient. Hmm. You're no fun, she said. So what's the second trick? Oh. Practice never lasts long. She laughed and said, Boy, that is not true in soccer. Well, yeah, this isn't soccer. Imagine, imagine, Jenna, that you want to practice talking shorter. How would you actually practice? After a moment, she said, I'd try to think of it as often as I can, I guess. I agree. You ask yourself, am I talking shorter now? What about now? How about now? That's practice. But you can only keep your third eye focused on yourself for so long. Pretty quickly, you stop focusing on your behavior, and you start attending to what's happening in front of you. That's inevitable. And when your focus shifts away from your behavior, the practice is over. Oh, said Janet, and you don't even know you've stopped practicing. (laughs) Right, I said. So practice doesn't usually last too long, which is why step three is so important. And step three is called notice. She pumped her fist. Oh, 
I am so glad you said that. Our coaches used videotape. I learned so much watching those tapes. I noticed everything, what I did, what I didn't do, the good, the bad. I learned a ton. Well, then this should be pretty easy for you, Jenna. She shook her head at a memory. I had this teammate, Brianna. Boy, she hated watching tape. She'd be so hard on herself, she'd say things like, how could I have been so stupid, and what's wrong with me, and oh, she really beat herself up. Did it make her a better player, I asked. No, I don't think it did. I think she suffered. She couldn't get over it. So when we went back out to practice, she was all muddled in her head. No, I don't think it helped her at all. So what's the lesson from Brianna's suffering? She put her thoughts together and then said, Just notice. Don't be a critic. (laughs) Jenna was a star for a reason. That was completely on target about step three. I agree, I said. Noticing requires judgment to stay out of the way. Experimenting with new behavior means you're going to miss the mark as often as not. It's trial and error. I think it's hard enough to practice new behaviors without your inner critic pulling up a chair and clicking open the red pen. Notice without judgment. She held up a finger and recited, Because every practice is a good practice. Then she asked, So what do you think I should notice about my practice, coach? Hmm. Even if it lasts only two minutes, ask yourself, How did I do? Did I get a different result? Why did I stop? What would be better next time? She gave a confident nod. Yeah, okay. Analyze the game tape. I totally get this. But Tom, I have one question. Why do you call these three steps inhabiting? (laughs) I laughed at having given her the the in-the-weeds three steps without having shared the 30,000-foot big picture. Whoops, my mistake. I call it inhabiting because in my life, when I do this, I get to a certain point and feel the shift from consciously working to create the new behavior to having the behavior suddenly manifest on its own. Like a habit, she offered. Yeah, like a habit. And when the behavior begins showing up on its own, it's like I've slipped into a comfortable robe. I'm inhabiting the behavior rather than working at it. She nodded. Yeah, exactly. It's like a habit. Jenna got her promotion within 18 months, which felt just right to her. Because she was a thirsty learner, she continued inhabiting new behaviors even after the executive presence issue was long settled. She used the same three steps, observe, practice, notice, to develop new behaviors during one-on-ones with her direct reports. She used the three steps in her own staff meetings to develop new behaviors that ended up benefiting everyone. Jenna's commitment to her development was how she displayed the look and sound of leadership. There were two big ideas in this month's episode. First, when you get a piece of feedback like Jenna got, that piece of feedback that's like, well, something's missing, but we can't quite explain what it is, assume the gap is behavioral. And when you're trying to close a behavioral gap, there's this three-step process you can do. Observe, practice, notice. So that's big idea number one. Close the gap behaviorally. And number two, (laughs) number two is 
Look, number two, changing behavior is a bitch. You have to be diligent. Old habits run deep. I was lucky enough to learn this when I was young. I learned it in a profound way over the course of my four years at the Juilliard School. Just one example. We had at least two, sometimes more, different voice or speech classes happening every semester. We worked on our voices every day for four years. So is it any wonder that many of us, and especially the women, is it any wonder that we ended up with diction and voices that were completely unrecognizable compared to an an audio tape we had made on our first day of school? We didn't know who we had been back then. Is that a big surprise? No. Is it wonderful? Yes. But it took daily incremental attention. So I hate to be the one to tell you, you aren't going to close the gap by thinking about the behavior you want to change. You have to be practicing it in short bursts all day long, every day, as often as you can. And I'm sorry, more bad news, but it's not just enough to practice. You have to take the time to assess your practice. If you don't measure your performance, most likely you're just reinforcing old behaviors, which is not going to close the gap, right? And have a little compassion. Just notice what you're doing. Don't criticize it. By the way, that difference between noticing and criticizing is the difference between steps one and steps three. When you're doing step one, when you're observing, I think on some, some part of you wants to engage your judgment. You want to think, oh, I don't like that behavior. I don't want to emulate that. Or, wow, I love the way she did that. How'd she do that? I want to learn. That's all got a lot of judgment in it, right? I mean, it, you're just judging what you're seeing, and it's going to help you decide where to close the gap. But when you're in step three, when you're noticing your own experimental behavior, don't call yourself names. Just ask, did you get the result you want? No? Yes? Okay, fine. What's the lesson? What are you going to try next time? What are you going to do differently? It's trial and error. So cut yourself some slack. Just notice. No judgment. (sighs) All of that is big idea number two. There's a bigger umbrella over these two ideas, and it's about changing behavior. And that idea, changing behavior, is at the very heart of why the look and sound of leadership exists. This whole topic of manifesting the behavior you want is where my coaching began. It's what I've been talking about for more than 20 years with people, and I think about it all the time, and I love it. So you might not be surprised to hear that over the years... There have been many episodes about changing behavior. It even has its own category in the archives. So along with topics like assertiveness and managing up and executive presence, there's an entire category called developing new behaviors. Five of the favorites in that category that you could listen to are act as if, creating new behaviors, how behaviors change, the many parts of you, and when learning makes things worse. By the way, the episode called Creating New Behaviors talks about a model for changing behavior that I use all the time. There's a PDF that goes along with it. I'd love to share it with you. You can be in touch with me through the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. That's essentialcom with two m's.com. 
There are contact buttons on every page. It's always a pleasure to be in touch. And you can find the five episodes that I mentioned in every episode going back to 2005. They're all in the archive. Just click Coaching Tips. This past month, a listener reminded me of an offer I used to make all the time. I used to tell people that if they posted an online review and let me know their username, that I would send them a reading list of books that I give to my clients over the course of the year. And he asked if that offer was still good because he had just posted a review, which was lovely, by the way. Thank you very much, Adam. I really appreciate it. And the answer to Adam's question is, absolutely, that offer is always open. I just want to let you know that seeing new reviews is its own little corner of joy for me. If you are grateful for this podcast, that is a fantastic way to express your thanks. And of course, I thank all of you. I really do love talking with you every month and being in touch with you in between. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.